I'm Stanley Johnson. I've got a great family. I've got a four-bedroom house and a great community. Like my car? It's new. I even belong to the local golf club. How do I do it? I'm in debt up to my eyeballs. I can barely pay my finance charges. Somebody help me. Well, happy Mother's Day, and uh, welcome to week number four of uh, Finding Financial Freedom. You know, many of us uh, find ourselves where that guy is, up to our eyeballs in debt, just wishing that somebody uh, could help us. And that is why we are, are doing this talk today, Breaking the Chains of Debt, because the Bible makes it really, really clear that God wants us to be free from the slavery of debt. Now, I want us to see as we jump into this that for us to get free, we need to understand how we got in the place that we are. And, and I want to begin by showing you, just for perspective, some fast facts on consumer debt. This comes from NerdWallet.com's annual credit card report. These are numbers from the Federal Reserve uh, from the end of 2016. They kind of give us a snapshot of, of where we are um, as a country in terms of consumer debt. If you just look at credit card debt, the average family carries almost $17,000, and this costs them about $1,300 a year in interest. That's over $100 a month just for interest. If you have a mortgage, on average, uh, you carry um, around $170,000 worth of debt, and those of us in the Bay Area say, wish I could have one like that. <laughs> but this is national. If you have an auto loan, on average, you carry almost $29,000 in debt. If you have student loans, it's almost $50,000 in debt. So this means if you're just average in those four areas, you are carrying more than a quarter of a million dollars in debt. And this reflects an 11% rise just in the last decade. Now, our series is about understanding and living out God's plan for financial freedom. And I just want to say this morning that in the year 2017, there is no part of our financial life that is more in bondage, more in need of liberation than this area of debt. And so let's talk about it. I want to begin by just quickly reviewing this overarching plan that we have been unpacking uh, throughout this series. It's called the 10-10-80 plan uh, because you start off by taking the first 10% of everything God blesses you with everything you earn, and you return that to him. You return that to the work uh, in a local church of which you are a part. And we talked about this a couple weeks ago, uh, and we saw that the Bible teaches us that if we do what God asks in this area, if we will honor God in this way, then he promises he will honor us. When we put God first with our finances, the Bible says we place ourselves under his blessing. We, we place ourselves in a position of being under his protection and provision and care. And we talked about how it might take some time uh, in our lives to build up to a full tithe, but we saw that it's an important journey for us to begin because the truth is you cannot expect God to show up and honor you and bless you as you try to achieve financial freedom, to just bless your life in the area of, these, of your finances if you are dishonoring the very first principle that he gives. Now, whether or not we do all of these things in this area really comes down to, as we saw 
in the first week to two questions. Where is our heart and who is our master? And then we went to the second part of this 10-10-80 plan, which is about savings. You take another 10%, you invest it in some kind of long-term savings plan. In other words, with every paycheck, you pay yourself. And we focused on this last week. And again, we found that savings is a deeply biblical idea. 10% to God, 10% to yourself, and then the 80 in the 10-10-80 plan is what we live on. Now, I want to review how this plan works just so we're all up to speed so we kind of have an idea of what this means in action. If you put this plan into action, the 10-10-80 plan, you first write down your total income, and we picked an easy round number, $50,000. Next, you, you subtract how much you will give. That's the first part. And so you follow the plan, 10% of 50000 is $5,000. Next, you need to subtract taxes. And on a salary of $50,000, 18 to you know, 25%, we'll just say taxes will be $10,000. And then next, you subtract uh, whatever debt repayment you have. Now, this obviously changes from person to person, so we just picked a number, 5000 a year. And then after that, you subtract the number that you're going to invest in long-term savings. And following our plan, 10%, that's another $5,000. Now, following this plan, after you subtracted your giving, your taxes, debt repayment, uh, your savings, now you have a figure that reflects how much is available to fund your lifestyle. In this case, $25,000. So that's the plan in action. Give first, save second, live on the rest. It's, it's really that simple. But as we have seen throughout this series, it isn't that simple to implement. And this is especially the case when we consider how debt plays into this, because many of us have structured our financial lives in precisely the opposite way to God's plan. See if this sounds familiar, this typical plan. We start off by listing how we want to live in terms of our lifestyle, the house we want, the cars we want to drive, the clothes we want to wear, the, the number of times we, we go out to eat, the number of smart TVs we have scattered throughout our house. And then, then we subtract the debt repayments that are necessary to fund that lifestyle. Then, then we take out taxes, and, and then after that, we, we try to save something, and it's usually very little, if, if anything, and, and then we finally come to giving, and giving gets overlooked almost every time. And you can see as you look at that, it's the exact opposite of God's plan. Now, if you find yourself in this place and you want to get out of this place, what is the number one thing that keeps you from turning it around, from doing thing, things God's way. And, of course, that would be debt. We've dug a hole for ourselves into debt, and we don't know how to get out. And what I want to say to you today is that if that is where you are, you need God's help. You need God's help. Now, we're going to look at three questions this morning that help us break the chains of debt. And here's the first one. You can write this down on your notes. What does the Bible teach about debt? We, we need to start with God's word. And here's the first verse I want to give you. Sums it all up. Proverbs 22, 7 says, The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. So what is the Bible's counsel about debt? Two words, you can sum it up, stay away. The Bible, God's ancient wisdom, 
tells us that when we go into debt to own things we cannot afford, our debt always ends up owning us, right? You become a slave to your debt. Some of you actually remember the days when it really wasn't very possible to get into debt using plastic, right? It actually goes back just around to the early 50s. People didn't have credit cards. People couldn't do what we, we, we do these days. And if you go back even farther than that, in totally pre-plastic times, if you go back to the Bible, what you see is that when you fall into debt, people often had to become slaves. In fact, in the Bible, a lot of the slavery we see is actually a result of people going into debt. They borrowed, a downturn happened, and the only way that they could repay was to become a slave until they paid off what they owe. Now, that sounds really primitive to us, but stop to think about it. The reality is people are still committing themselves to debt slavery every single day. I think we've all seen that bumper sticker that goes, I owe, I owe, so off to work. I go, right? We all know what that's about. We find ourselves slaving away in the corporate fields to repay our masters. Did you know that's why they call it MasterCard? (laughs) This is why you come to Southwinds to get insights like that, right? (laughs) See, you thought you were the master, right? (laughs) This card allows you to master life, and I have preferred status. The truth is, they own you. And if you don't believe it, try not paying. See, here's what I want to say as we get started. Today, some of you, this needs to be the day that you declare your emancipation. This needs to be the day that you declare, I am done with this. I'm going to set myself free. I'm going to get out of unsecured debt. Now, some of you may be kind of thinking ahead of me, and maybe you're asking yourself right now, well, what does the Bible really say about debt? Is all debt bad according to the Bible? Is it like wrong to have a mortgage? Is it wrong to have a car payment? Well, the truth is there are many different ideas about this, and people are all over the map on this, where the Bible actually draws the lines. I think it's difficult to make a case that the Bible draws a hard and fast line. I I think Romans 13.8 has wisdom when it tells us this, Let no debt remain outstanding, except the continuing debt to love one another, for he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. This verse recognizes the reality that we may have debts. It doesn't say we should never have them. It just says when you have them, you you pay them off. The Bible also tells us in Proverbs 6, 1 through 5, that it's wisdom to get out of debt as soon as we can. In Deuteronomy 28, we we see that uh, we are told that being in a position to lend is a sign of blessing, where being in a position where we have to borrow really is a sign of curse. It's not a, a good place to have to be. Now, you may say, well, does that really mean that all debt is bad? And here's how I think I would sum it up. The, the Bible, in general, discourages debt, but it doesn't prohibit it in each and every circumstance. And in normal economic times, you can make a strong case, both financially and biblically, that, that accepting debt toward an appreciable asset, like land or like a home, or, or maybe even uh, perhaps in connection with a well-thought-through business plan, uh, a loan that provides you with working capital to start a business, maybe even to fund an education, that these sort of things are, are not only appropriate, but at times even strategic. But here's the reality. That is not 
the kind of debt that most people are enslaved by. See, what most of us are drowning in is consumer debt, lifestyle debt, debt for convenience and pleasure, debt for luxury, debt for appearance. You see, debt is this thing that promises to set us free through instant gratification, but we need to hear the truth. It's a lie. See, all debt does is enslave us to a life of bondage. And many of us are feeling this right now. Debt is eating up every available dollar you have. It's eating up the resources that you would like to to put towards saving or towards being generous. Uh, The resources you would like to put toward down payments on a house or maybe to fund a retirement, get ready for the future. And there are some of you here, it is impacting your marriage. It is impacting your health. It is impacting your self-esteem. It is impacting every aspect of the quality of your life because you have made choices that have put you in a place where you are servant to the creditor, slave to the lender, the one in bondage to the debt you carry. Now, I know that some of you know this. You're aware of it. But there are some of you who don't. And there are some of you right now who are kind of saying in your mind, this is no really... No real big deal. You're just kind of blowing this off. It's not that, it's not that big a thing. I, I want to take a couple of moments to kind of push back on your indifference. You know, maybe forget for a moment how it's already keeping you from following God's 10-10-80 plan. And you might be here and you say, I don't even really care about that plan. And some of you may not even really care about God. And then the area of savings, you're, you're thinking, well, the future is going to take care of itself. I make a a lot of money. I make plenty of money. I'm not going to worry about that. But let's at least see if you should take the Bible's cautions about debt more seriously. I want to show you what happens. And some of us are right in these places and we don't even realize it. Let's just talk about credit cards for just a moment. And let's kind of spin out some scenarios. Let's just say you have only one credit card. Huh? And let's just say your balance on that credit card is $3,000, and you're not behind on your payments. In fact, you make at least the minimum payment every month, and you do it regular as clockwork. You just say, no problem, right? No bondage here. Well, let me throw out some numbers on the screen. Let's, let's just see this. If to pay off a credit card with a $3,000 balance, we'll say you have an average interest rate of 14%. That's around the national average right now. If you have good credit, then you're making minimum payments, which is 2%. If you attack that debt that way, this is how long it would take you to pay it off. 24 years and two months. I mean, that's, think about that. If you were still alive, (laughs) you would have paid a total of $6,754 on that $3,000 debt. More than double what you owe. Now, let's just keep playing with this because if you just have $3,000 in debt, you're doing pretty good compared to a whole lot of people. As we saw, the average amount people carry is over $16,000, close to $17,000. Let's just say you have about half that. You have $8,000. And let's just say that with that average rate of 14% on your, your credit card, you are making double the minimum payments. I mean, you feel pretty good about yourself. You're paying 4%. That should make things better, right? Well, let me show you those numbers. Even making double the minimum payment, it still comes out taking almost 13 years 
to pay that off. 151 months with over $3,000 in interest. And so instead of paying back $8,000, you're paying back over $11,000. Does that sound like a good deal to anybody? Now, one more. Let's get kind of down and dirty on this because let's face it. Many of us would kill to have a 14% credit card interest rate. You know, these are not the norms for everybody. Lots of people have 16 or 18%, some even higher than that. And those people many times are not making double payments. And so here's this scenario, $8,000 balance again, but at an 18% interest rate with minimum payments, 2%. Are you ready for this? Here are the numbers all at once. It would take you 53 years and nine months to pay that off. And you would pay on that $8,000 balance almost $31,000. Debt is bonded. It's a kind of slavery. You see, this scenario, this is just credit card debt. We haven't talked about the added enslavement that comes from what we carry on top of our credit cards. Consumer debt for furniture and appliances and TVs and then They already mentioned cars and college loans and mortgages. This is why the Bible says be very careful with debt. This is why the Bible says pay it off as soon as possible because debt can and debt will enslave you. This is the opposite of financial freedom. Do you understand every time you strap on a little more debt, you are giving away a little bit of your independence to that creditor? They say jump. And you pretty much have to say, how high? See, debt says this to you. Debt always says, you pay me first. I don't care what else is going on in your life. And if you don't pay me first, then I'll put a lien on everything you have. I will file enough negative stats on your credit report. You won't even be able to rent a car. If that doesn't get it out of you, then I'll make sure that you get ruined through bankruptcy, maybe through scandal. Makes no difference to me. You want to save for the future? You want to honor God through your giving? Not as long as I own you. Now, if debt is that bad, if debt is that dangerous, if debt causes that many problems, why? Why do we get ourselves enslaved to it? Why do we get in bondage? Here's the second question. Why do we enslave ourselves to debt? Now, before I explain this, I want to be uh, cognizant and be upfront with the reality that I know that many of us find ourselves trapped in debt because of circumstances beyond our control. Sometimes we lose a job and we couldn't do anything about it. Sometimes we have catastrophic medical expenses that are not uh, our, our fault. Sometimes things out of our control put ourselves in situations we don't see how we will get out of. And if this is where you find yourself, I don't want you to take on any more guilt. You need to be reminded God knows and God is present to help you through the difficulties of life, the trials that you face, even financial trials. But at the same time, There are many of us who really just need to get honest with ourselves about why we're enslaved to debt. Yes, circumstances may not always broken in your favor. Yes, you may have had some hardships in life. Welcome to the planet, right? Welcome to life in a broken, fallen world. Not everything in this world goes right. See, the truth is many of our debt issues are self-inflicted. 
We have made choices we didn't have to make. We've purchased things we couldn't really afford. We've been impatient, unwilling to wait and save. The truth is we're in debt and we're experiencing the stress and the anxiety that comes from debt because we, though we follow Christ, we have adopted the culture's values. We have chosen not to listen to God's wisdom. I mean, just try to think for a moment about the purchases that you have made that have put you into the debt that you are regretting right now. And let me just stop for a minute. How many of you have ever in your life, at least once, bought something later on you regretted buying it? Would you just kind of, confession's good for the soul, right? We've all done this. So think about whatever made you raise your hand, right? Let me ask you this about those kind of purchases. Did you ever pray once about those thousands of dollars that you spent? Did you ever seek God's wisdom in his word or ask a wise Christ follower for advice? Be honest. How how many of the purchases that you made that you now regret were driven by envy of what other people had? How many of those purchases were were, were driven by your pride because you wanted other people to envy you and admire you and be impressed by you? How many things did you buy because you simply refused to delay gratification. You simply chose not to learn patience like God's word commands. See, the examples really could go on and on and on. And as I've said many times, you've heard me say it so many times, how we handle money, this issue of financial freedom, it is far more a matter of spiritual issues than it is of economic issues. You see, getting enslaved to debt always involves a way of thinking. You might call it a debt mentality. And there are some assumptions that are involved in this way of thinking. Let me, let me list them for you. This comes from uh, Randy Alcorn's important book, Money, Possessions, and Eternity. Here's the first thing that we think when we get into debt. Number one, we, we think that we need more than God has given us. When we think we need more than God has given us, that leads us to buy things, even if we have to go into debt even if we can't afford them. And that means inescapably a second thing. We, we think that God doesn't know best what our needs are. Do you realize that? I mean, just think about it. If, if he did, wouldn't he have already given us the thing that we think we need? Third, we think that since God has failed to provide for our needs, we must take matters into our own hands. I mean, God didn't come through. God didn't take care of this. So we go ahead and we buy these necessities even if it means going into debt. And that leads to the fourth thing, inescapably, that leads to us presuming on God and his plans for us. We conclude that since we have enough today to pay our debts, we will have enough tomorrow. My circumstances aren't going to change. I'm always going to have this job. My health is always going to remain the way it is. It's not going to ever go south. I'm never going to find myself out of work or even unable to work. See, in all of these things, we never consider some other things. Maybe God wants us to be satisfied in him and in what he has chosen to give us. Maybe God is okay with us having these things that we want, but he's encouraging us to pray for him to provide those things in the right time rather than us jumping into debt, taking things into our own hands by borrowing. Maybe God just wants us to learn what it means to wait on him instead of always lunging for instant gratification. 
See, all these questions lead to one question that I want you to, to really consider. Have you ever stopped And have you ever asked yourself, I mean, honestly, getting honest with yourself, why am I in debt? Have you ever been honest enough with yourself to admit the truth? See, all of this involves ways of thinking. And these ways of thinking don't line up with God's word. These ways of thinking reveal a lack of faith in God to provide. These ways of thinking betray our unwillingness to be satisfied in God alone. And that means, that means these ways of thinking involve sin. Have you ever stopped as you look at your life and where you are to consider the reality that some of your financial choices may involve sin? It's very easy for us to think this is just money and it's just a good idea or a bad idea. It's not like right or wrong sin. Yet the Bible does not see that at all. A very familiar verse, Romans 12, 2 says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Can you identify any patterns of thought where you are conforming to the world? Is there any place dealing with your debt where you actually need to repent? God's word addresses this. Do you need to ask God's forgiveness? Is that part of breaking out the bondage of debt for you? Is there a place where you've gotten yourself into this mess and the only way out is you getting honest that you have disobeyed something God has told you and you need to repent? So here's what I'm saying to you. If you do not understand why you've gotten yourself enslaved to debt, you will be far more likely to never get out of it. And even if you do manage to get out of it, far more likely just to get into it again. Here's the question. Write this down. Just think about it. Where have I sinned in my spending of God's money that he's entrusted me? Where do I need to repent? What attitudes and thoughts do I need to turn from? Where have I sought pleasure and satisfaction in stuff instead of God? So you're never going to escape the slavery of debt until you deal with spiritual issues. Okay, enough depression for one morning. I hope you can see the Bible's point, but I want us to move now to the third question, which begins to take us to the solution side of things. And the question is this, how do we break the chains of debt? And I want to show you probably the simplest, fastest way around. Um, This is a, a plan that many Christian financial counselors will sign off on as the best and fastest way to get out of debt. And there may be some more steps for some of us, but, but these basic four steps will get us going. And it starts with this one. Number one, make a decision. See, there are a lot of people who don't like their life. There are a lot of people who wouldn't mind things being different than they are. But do you understand that's a lot different than actually doing something about it, making a decision, going down to the core of your being and saying there is going to be a change. Change begins with an act of the will, a decision that my life is going to be different by God's grace. See, there has to be a point in your life when you look at where you want to be and You look at what you want your life to be about, and then you decide to do it. You don't keep doing what you've always been doing. It's not enough for you to nod your head when the pastor says some stuff about debt, and yeah, you're right. You have to decide you want to change. You have to make a decision. Now, 
In our Celebrate Recovery, we talk about people changing, and they, we talk about how people change when they hit bottom, when they come to the end of themselves. And, and uh, you know, when you hit bottom, that change becomes easier to do. But the problem for us in terms of our finances is that many of us, that's not exactly where we are. Many of us kind of in this in-between place, kind of in this no-man's land that, that really pushes against us making this kind of declaration. We're sort of like the guy in the commercial at the beginning of the message. We look very good on the outside. We're just in debt up to our eyeballs. We're just one or two missed paychecks away from crisis. But hey, right now the paychecks are still coming in. And hey, right now I'm still making minimum payments. And hey, you know, retirement, that's a long way away. And God, well, we sort of feel bad about it every now and then, but we try to cope by not thinking about it. And some of you are kind of annoyed right now. Hey, it's Mother's Day. Why are you bringing this stuff up, Pastor Mike? I didn't want to think about this today. See, that's kind of this no man's land. I just want you to see you will never leave slavery to debt by accident. You have to decide. You have to make a decision. See, you know that getting out of debt is critical. So today, you can begin by declaring. Today, you can begin by deciding and saying, the gun goes off today. I am, I am going to declare war on my indebtedness. I am sick and tired of living this way. I am going to you know, mark this as the point in history where things begin to change, where I leave behind the insanity. I'm going to start the journey toward financial freedom. It starts here. Are you willing to make a decision? Here's the second step. Cut the cards. Cut the cards. See, if you cannot pay off every card every month, cut the cards. See, I would like today to recommend plastic surgery for some of you. (laughs) Your face is fine. Your body looks great. But you need to cut the cards. See, some of you are saying, oh, but I need a credit card in case of emergency. But here's the response that if you tend to run up debt that you can't pay off every month, you need to find a better way to stay safe. Do you realize that Citibank has calculated, this is all out there, everybody who's in the area of finances knows this, Citibank has calculated that the average consumer spends 26% more each month using a credit card than if they pay cash. Do you know that about yourself? See, you need to stop. You need to to end the disease. And and maybe you just need to have some fun doing this. I don't know. Invite your friends over for a card roast. (laughs) You know, light up the grill, wrap the cards in foil, put some music on, dance around the grill. Just have fun. I don't know, you know. Declare your freedom. If you have a lot of cards, maybe you could do this. Some of you are kind of crafty, you know. You could make a dartboard out of your cards and put it on Pinterest. (laughs) And then next time you feel the urge to splurge, then you play darts instead. Or maybe, maybe you need to cut your cards in two, put them all in an envelope and send them to your pastor and I will pray for you. I know this is not a laughing matter for some of you. I know it is very serious. I'm just saying to you, you have to make some hard and courageous choices. You have to stop because you'll never get out of debt until you stop getting into debt. 
So you have to end the habits and break the patterns. You have to disrupt the cycle that got you where you are. Just say no to any more consumer debt. Some of you are going, well, this is kind of dumb. Well, how come you're not doing it? This is so simple. I mean, why do we have to talk about this? Well, the fact is so many of us don't really get it. In fact, a few years ago, Saturday Night Live had some fun with this. Maybe you've seen uh, this sketch that they did. I want to show you a clip. I just can't get these numbers to add up. It's like we're never going to get out of this hole. Credit card debt, does it ever end? (laughs) Maybe I can help. We sure could use it. We've tried debt consolidation companies. We've even taken out loans to help make payments. Well, you're not the only ones. Did you know millions of Americans live with debt they cannot control? That's why I developed this unique new program for managing your debt. It's called Don't Buy Stuff You Cannot Afford. Let me see that. If you don't have any money, you should not buy anything. Hmm, sounds interesting. Sounds confusing. I don't know, honey. This makes a lot of sense. There's a whole section here on how to buy expensive things using money you save. Give me that. And where would you get this saved money? I tell you where and how in chapter three. Okay, but what if I want something but I don't have any money? You don't buy it. Well, let's say I don't have enough money to buy something. Should I buy it anyway? No. (laughs) Now I'm really confused. It's a little confusing at first. Well, what if you have the money? Can you buy something? Yes. Now take the money away. Same story? Nope. You shouldn't buy stuff when you don't have the money. I think I got it. I buy something I want and then hope that I can pay for it, right? (laughs) No. You make sure you have money, then you buy it. Oh, then you buy it. But shouldn't you buy it before you have the money? No. Why not? It's in the book. It's only one page long. (laughs) The advice is priceless, and the book is free. Wow, I like the sound of that. Yeah, we can put it on our credit card. (laughs) So get out of debt now. Write for your free copy of Don't Buy Stuff You Cannot Afford. And if you order now, you'll also receive Seriously. If you don't have the money, don't buy it. Along with a 12-month subscription to Stop Buying Stuff magazine. So order today. Well, make a declaration, a decision, cut the cards, and then third, start a debt snowball plan. What you need to do after you've gotten yourself on this path is you need to start uh, setting up a payment plan that helps you reduce your debt. And and a great room for this you may have heard of before is called the snowball plan. And when I explain it, I think you'll see why it's called that. Here's how it works. You take all of your debts, the MasterCards, the Visas, the mortgage payments to cars and, and college and furniture, TV, refrigerators, whatever it is, and then you rank them from the smallest balance to the largest. And this is critical. You start with the smallest balance first. So it might look something like this chart. You have a gas card and you have some credit cards. You can see on down the line. Uh, You you make this list and you start with this balance and you get really aggressive with that smallest one, in this case the gas card. You put everything you can toward it until it's gone. Maybe you got a little raise this year. You, You know, you take that and apply it toward that payment. Get it past 
2% and up to 4% or even higher. Maybe you got a tax refund in this spring. You used that. Any kind of refund, a windfall you put toward it. Maybe you started working on the latte factor last week. And if you were here, you saw that. Use part of that. If you weren't here, by the way, you should listen to the podcast. It's worth $90 a day. Guaranteed. But you take everything you can. You put it all your energies toward paying that one bill off. And it will go pretty fast because it's your smallest and you're putting all your effort toward it. Then when you pay that bill off, you just move to the next largest one, taking what you've been paying on the smallest bill and applying it to that and focus on it. So it works like this. Let's go to that gas card. Let's just say you've got a minimum payment of $60 and that's what you've been doing. You are able somehow to scrape together another $40 to go to that. All of a sudden, now you're paying $100 on that debt. That means that debt's going to be gone in four months, right? Then you take that $100 and start applying to the next one. And this is where it starts to get fun. You've got a $70 a month payment on your MasterCard. Now you add 100 to that, and now you're paying 170 a month. And that's going to go away a lot faster. And once you've got that done, you move to the next one with a $200 a month payment. You add your one. 70 to that, you pay on that, and it, it starts going, and it's moving faster and faster. You see why they call it a snowball approach. See, by the time if you continue to do this, by the time you get even to the larger debts, you can be putting a lot of money towards paying this down, and it, it may go slow at first. There will be some bumps along the road for sure, but you will be surprised as you do this how it will begin to build with incredible increasing speed. You know, most people overestimate what they can do financially in one year, but grossly underestimate what they can do in five years. Let me just give you a real-life example. I told you last week I was going to share some stuff with you from our recent uh, Financial Peace University class, FPU, we call it. Uh, Just a few weeks ago, this group of people, eight families, uh, taking this class for two months, probably some of them are here right now. And this is what happened in this class. Eight families in two months, they paid off $48,389 in non-mortgage debt in two months, applying these principles. Amen. At the same time, they put $11,908 into savings. They cut up 23 credit cards. I mean, is that amazing? Do you see what can happen when people begin to do what God has shared with us is wise, a way to live. See, this is real life. These are real people. These are people probably in this room right now, people you worship with. Maybe some of us should consider joining Financial Peace University when we started again this fall. So you create a plan to get out of debt, a debt snowball plan, and then number four, you create a new spending plan. This is just an overall budget that provides a framework for all your future decisions, like the 10-10-80 plan. Some of you may respond and say, that's impossible for me right now. Well, you adjust it some and make a version of it that works for you, that's possible for you. But the point is, you create a plan that doesn't start with lifestyle, a plan that begins with priorities and commitment, a plan that begins with honoring God and saving and being debt-free, being built into it. You know, you may feel like, this is too hard, I'm sacrificing lifestyle to move to that, but but that's not true. That is the lie. That is the lie that's gotten you into the mess you're in. 
that always tells you that it's the easy way, it's the quick way, it's the, it's the, the fun way to the life you want. But it's actually the easiest way to get into slavery. Now, I know this is hard for us to get our feelings around, but it is an important shift for us to make, and it's going to take a change in our thinking. Let me tell you how I heard someone talk about it several years ago. This person, he said that sometimes when he's driving down the interstate, you know, he said, he said pretty much obeying the speed limit, maybe a couple miles above, but, you know, pretty close that he said, I can, I can get kind of discouraged when all these people are whizzing by me at 90 miles an hour because they're getting where they're going a lot faster than me. Now, moms, Mother Day, I know you don't understand this, but the guys, they, they, they got me right here, right? This bothers men when people are getting somewhere, even if you don't know who they are getting somewhere faster than you. And he said, you know, you feel kind of like a, like a chump, you know, and people are passing you left and right, and you're, you're not getting ahead. But he said, then I keep driving. He said, like 10 miles down the road, all of a sudden, I see one of these people who whizzed by me. Now they're on the side of the road, and there's a police officer there, and there's lights flashing there. And he said, suddenly, I feel a lot better about myself said, suddenly, instead of feeling bad because I'm not getting where I want to go so quickly, said, I start singing, you know, throw my shoulders back, turn the music up in the car. He says, he says, that's how I've come to feel about this whole savings and debt thing. He said, sure, there are some people who are whizzing by me with this huge accumulation of stuff. They have nicer houses. They have nicer cars. They go on nicer vacations. But he said, I realize so many of them they are just whizzing by me on the interstate to indebtedness. He said, and sooner or later, so many of these people are going to have collection agencies calling them. They're going to have overdraft notices. They're going to have car repos. They're going to have foreclosure notices. They're going to have tax liens. They, they have no savings, and so they live with anxiety. They cannot give, and so they live with guilt. He says, I have been learning how to just say, go ahead and drive on by. I prefer living wisely and knowing freedom. He said, sure, my wife has a five-year-old Toyota with 65,000 miles on it, but it's paid for. Your spouse may have a nicer car than that. That's fine. We're wise and we're free. And I'm glad that I've made those choices. You know, that guy's right. That kind of perspective is the way that you too can find financial freedom. It is God's wisdom for our good. And the question that I just want to leave you with is simply this. Will you trust God enough to trust his wisdom on how best to live? Will you pray with me today? Bow your heads, please. Father God, we just thank you that uh, you are good and you are gracious to us, Lord. We recognize that every good thing we have in our lives, every gift, every blessing, it comes from you. Lord, most of all, we thank you for your grace that you've shown us in your son, Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your word that corrects us and teaches us and gives us wisdom. And Father, we, we just ask now for your forgiveness where we need to ask, where we have used your good gifts for our selfish and sinful purposes. Lord, we repent. We repent where our foolish choices have, have just led us into the slavery of debt. And Father, we know that 
that you always forgive us when we confess our sins. And, and so, Lord, by your grace, we ask now for your favor and blessing as we follow you. Lord, we ask you that you would, by your power, break the chains of debt in our lives as we obey you. We pray all these things, Father, now in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, and all God's people together say, Amen.